the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Could you imagine living separated from God, innocent nature, for a thousand years? Man, enough already. Let's get to heaven already. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Today, we continue in our study in John chapter 11 in the message titled Path of Fire. This is part two. David could have said, you know, I'm just done with myself. I have disappointed God so badly so horribly. The giant slayer who took down Goliath the giant, he could have said, you know, I'm checking out. Look what I've done. I cannot believe when I look and see my own image and a reflection. I cannot believe what I've done. I am the man that's been after God's own heart. God has raised me up to be the king of his own people. And look what I have done. I have taken one of my mighty men, one of the SEAL Team 6 members, one of the, you know, my mightiest warriors that worked directly with me, my own private men that are just ferocious in battle and I took one of them his wife and I slept with her I impregnated her and to cover my sin I had my man that has fought for me that has had my back I sent him to the front line and had everyone else pulled back and he was killed then the baby that I impregnated this girl with, I was on my face as this baby was sick when it was born sickly. And I, I fasted and I prayed and he died. Can you imagine the guilt that was in his life? He, when he wrote Psalm 51 in his total repentance to the Lord, he says, Oh God, before you and you only have I sinned. I deserve by the Torah, the law of God to be stoned to death for what I've done. He's like, my bones were like shattered and broken within me. Because of what I've done. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because God, I can't live without you. But David didn't take his life. David in Psalm 31, Psalm 34, and all through the Psalms, he says, oh, you are my rock. You are my refuge. You are my stronghold. And when I am in the pit, you will lift me up. And that's what God did as God forgave him and restored him to his place. Getting back to Martha. Martha went away and she tells her sister Mary, Jesus is calling for you. Now, why did she say that? Jesus didn't call for Mary. Maybe she thought, well, if, if Mary asked Jesus, maybe he'll do something. Martha was desperate, just like we've been desperate in times of devastation. That's when we start making deals with God, right? Oh, God, if you just heal this, if you do this, if you come through, Lord, I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll go on the mission for, I'll live in a mud hut. I'll eat bugs. Some of you have made those deals. (laughs) Understand, God is not interested in your deal or my deal. He just wants our hearts. He just wants us. 
I like what King David, the giant slayer, told his son Solomon as he passed the kingdom onto him in 1 Chronicles 28.9. He says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of your thoughts. Oh, he knows everything about you. No hidden closets with God. He says, but if you seek him, he will let you find him, son. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. He said, now follow the Lord. What have I learned my whole life? Son, here it is in a nutshell. Follow the Lord. He knows everything you do. You can't hide from God. Serve him with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. Which brings up our point. Faith for the broken. Now Mary approaches Jesus. Let's read what happens now. Verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. And she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's obvious that both Mary and Martha were heartbroken over the death of their brother. Yet when Mary came to Jesus, she fell at his feet. This is a sign of worship and and surrender. Unlike her sister Martha, who stood and looked Jesus in the eye, Mary, in a humble, surrendered position, she said basically the same thing to Jesus. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. It appears that by Martha's stance in the tone of her voice, which of course we're not told what that tone was, but it it appears that it could have been possibly sounding like, Lord, why didn't you come? Martha could have been more direct Why didn't you come challenging Jesus' real love for her brother while Mary sat filled with sorrow at his feet, just saddened? Oh, it would have been so nice if you got here a little sooner. Listen to this interesting fact about Mary. Every time we read about her in the scripture, she is sitting at Jesus' feet. First, when Martha was all worked up in the kitchen, remember we looked at that in Luke last time? And it's just like, you know, Martha's in the kitchen, got to make lunch for Jesus, what do I make? She's, uh, and every time she goes by the door, there's her slack jaw sister sitting at the feet of Jesus. Tell me more, Lord. And her sister's frantic in there. And she's finally like, Lord, would you tell my sister, yeah, the lazy one at your feet, tell her to get in the kitchen and help me? And Jesus is like, oh, Martha, Martha, you're all worked up about so much. It's like Mary has chosen the good parts to just sit at my feet. She's chosen the good part. You know, Martha, why don't you just make a bunch of PB&Js and come out here and sit? It's like, I don't need a 12-course meal right now. It said your sisters picked the good part. Remember, that was a Hebrew term that meant she picked the pleasant and the joyful parts. You want to find pleasantry in your life? You want to find joy that has escaped? 
Sit at Jesus' feet. That's where you'll find it. And then, of course, we have Mary right here sitting at Jesus' feet once again. And then, of course, in, we have in John chapter 12, and we don't want to steal any of that thunder, but we're going to see Martha again taking a, what has been handed down to her as a family heirloom, a very valuable bottle of perfume and opening it up and pouring it on Jesus' feet and anointing him at his feet and wiping it with her hair. Every time we see her, she's at the feet of Jesus. I wonder where we sit, not just on Sunday, but when you're walking down the path of pain. Are we like Martha and and Luke where where, you know, she was distressed about so many things? Or are we like Mary, where we spend time sitting at the Lord's feet? Meaning, do we read God's word every day? Do we take time to pray every day? Do we make it a priority to come to church, not just once a month or when it feels good or when it's convenient? Well, let's paint the picture here once again. He asked, where is your brother laid? Come, Lord, we'll show you. Now they go to the grave sites. Mary's crying. Many others are weeping. In verse 33, it said, Jesus was deeply moved and he was troubled. Know this, in the original language, that means that he was distressed to the point of outrage. What? Distressed to the point of outrage? But why? We're not told exactly, but we are told that anger and outrage drove him to weep. Maybe it was just the reality of life. Ever since the Garden of Eden, when man and the first woman ate, Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit, sin has ruled the heart of man. Ever since then, sin has ruled the heart of man. It's caused separation, a severing from us and God, his prized creation. Men and women, and now we see in verse 35, which is the shortest verse in the Bible again, the true heart of God. Two passionate words. Jesus wept. Jesus had tears of sympathy for his friends. He had tears of sadness for their loss. And Jesus had tears of anger for the bigger issue. Tears of anger for the bigger issue. And what is that? Death. Death. Death was never part of God's plan. From the beginning... That was not part of God's plan. Sin, when it came in, it steals, and it still does today. It will steal from you. If you have sin in your life, you're doing things you know you shouldn't do, it will steal from you eventually. You might find pleasure in sin for a season, but one day the season will be up. That thing that you are entertaining now, that recreational sin will become your slave master, and you will become its slave That sin will separate you from God. Sin will ultimately destroy you. In the end, sin brings forth death. Yes, Jesus wept. Jesus was the epitome of purity. He was holy. He was the God of grace walking in a human body. He was more sympathetic and self-sacrificing than any mere mortal could ever be. And he wept. 
He wept because he loves you and me. He cares about us. The Bible says that his thoughts towards us are precious. And the amount of those thoughts is like the sand of the sea. And he sympathizes with our weaknesses. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. God sympathizes with us. So when the enemy comes in and says, oh, you're going to go to the Lord again? Like, really? How many times have you fallen to that sin? Like, you're going to go to church today, you stinking hypocrite? Like, oh, you're going to go to the word of God? You're going to pray to him? Why don't you call it off today? Because God doesn't care about you anymore. You're just a dog sinner. He doesn't care. That is absolutely untrue. Because God sympathizes with us. He knows that we're weak. He knows that we have feet of clay. Meaning, it's like one day we can be really strong. Mama, V8 running on 12 cylinders. And the next day we can barely get out of bed. God knows that. And he sympathizes with you. Don't you ever listen to that voice that says, don't go back to the Lord. Don't you ever listen to that voice that says, don't go to church today. Don't ever listen to that word, don't go and pray to the Lord. That's the enemy. He's a thief. He's a liar. And he'll get in your head and he'll work on you and work on you and work on you. But it's all lies. You can come to the Lord at any time. I don't care how many times you sinned. I don't care how many times you have failed. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Yes, Jesus wept because the devil is a thief. And when sin runs rampant in the lives of so many, it will seek to destroy those lives. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but make no mistake about it. If we want to play with the fire of sin, you will always get burned in the end. Always. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.27, he asks a question. Proverbs 6.27 and 28. He says, can a man take fire in his bosom and not get burned. He's asking you a question. Can you walk up to a campfire and just reach down and grab it and pull it in and give it a big old hug and not get burned? You might think, uh, well, uh, I don't think so. (laughs) Then he goes on and says, let me ask you another question. Can a man walk on hot coals and not get burned? It's like, now I've seen some of these people that walk on me. I don't know. I don't know about them, but let me tell you. I'm just walking on the beach to get to the water and my feet are just getting roasted, okay? So I'm not walking on hot coals and my feet not getting scorched. So he's asking a question that is an obvious answer. No, you can't play with fire and not get burned. That's the whole point. But to the believer, God gave us the free gift of eternal life. By dying for your sin and my sin on the cross. Yes, Jesus could have come earlier. He could have healed Jesus five days ago. But God purposed his delay. Why? Because he wanted to impact the lives of this family, the lives of their neighbors, the lives of this entire village. He wanted to impact not only everyone present, but he also wanted to impact us here today almost 2,000 years later by demonstrating his glory for all to see. For God planned something much bigger than a healing. He planned a resurrection. Which brings up our final point, faith for life. Let's read what happens next in verse 38. So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, he came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased said to him, Lord, by this time, 
there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe in the present right now, that you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth bound hand and foot with wrappings and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Wow. Wow. This is absolutely crazy. I mean, could you imagine what the people were thinking? Martha even tries to save the Lord from embarrassment as she leans over, tugs on his robe. Lord, he's been dead for four days. He's decomposing. He's going to stink. I like the King James Bible if you have it. Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Again, she missed what Jesus was going to do. She had faith for the past. She had faith for the future. She just didn't have any faith for the day. And right when the disciples thought, well, hey, man, they've seen it all. Jesus does the unbelievable And he blows their minds once again. He raised a man that has been dead for four days. Now, the disciples already witnessed Jesus raise a little girl from the dead, but she had just died. Maybe some could say, well, she didn't really die. She just kind of fell into a little soul sleep there a little bit. She wasn't really dead. Oh, but Lazarus, oh, oh, he's dead as a doornail. Oh, my goodness, he's been dead for four days. This is incredible. This man who has made the blind see, the lame stand up and walk, the diseased with with leprosy, with skin falling off their flesh has has turned them into the, the flesh of a newborn baby. This man who has commanded a storm to stop in its midst. Imagine being on the Sea of Galilee. The storm is going so radical that even these men that were fishermen that grew up on the sea, they said, Lord, don't you care about us? We're all going to die. And Jesus stepped up and said, shh, be silent. And could you imagine in the middle of just a gnarliest storm, you ever seen just sea of glass? Like, who is this man? The Bible says the disciples were frightened by it. Like, Who is this man that can say to the very elements, cease and be still, and the very wind listens to him? Yes, Jesus once again proved that he was no mere man. Jesus was truly everything he claimed to be. He claimed to be the God-man, and he was. Yes, Mary and Martha wanted Jesus there four days earlier for a healing. Jesus purposed his delay for something so much greater, a resurrection. Now, some might say, well, if Jesus can raise the dead, well, pastor, why don't we just go down to the local cemetery and just start pulling people out of the grave? Well, if it was up to me, I I, I think I'd be open to that. Be kind of fun. One of the horrific things that happens when you're a pastor is you're always around death. It's wonderful being a pastor and teaching his word and being able to share Christ and do weddings, but you're also the one that's called 
in a time of misery, in a time of death. I was a high school pastor for 15 years at Harvest and I was the one that did all the funerals for all the high school kids that died. Got hit by cars, fell down dead, heart stopped, weird things, just not what you're expecting. Let me tell you, when you're doing a, a funeral for a high school kid, it's a, it's a heavy thing. It's a heavy burden. No one sees any good. And it's one thing when great-great-grandma passes away, she was 88, she, she lived a great life, she lived a full life, but when you're doing a funeral for a 15-year-old that was playing softball and she fell down and died, it's just, there's no answers for that. Yeah, I'd, I wouldn't mind going and raising up a few dead myself. I've watched the pain of death rip through many families. I lost my only brother a few years ago. I lost my mom a few months ago. My wife lost her mom a few years ago. And no, I don't think anyone likes death. People die. Job said this about the brevity or the shortness of life. Job said in Job 14, when it says, man who is born of a woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and then he withers away. You think, well, that's kind of morbid, but it's kind of true. It is what it is. It's like, wow, kind of a bummer. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is an appointed time for everything in life. There's a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth, and there's a time to die. But know this, it is not God's plan for us to live on earth separated from him. God's plan is to have us all live with him in heaven, delivered from these bodies of sin and death that have been fallen into total depravity. That's God's plan. The full circle of life is not the Lion King, okay? The full circle of life is like we were created by God in his image. He placed his prized possession in this place called the Garden of Eden. Eden means paradise. When they were placed in paradise, they had no sin nature, and Adam and Eve were going to live forever, and God would come down in the cool of the day, and he would hang out with them. So what is the true circle of life for the believer? Jesus came, God in the flesh, to die on the cross to bear our sin so we could take away the separation of sin. And now when we die, we go to heaven. Where's that? Paradise. What do we do? We get a new body that has no sin nature and we're going to live forever and we're in the presence of God. We go back to the way God originally planned it before sin came in. That's why God allows death to bring us back home. That's why he has has called us back. Yes, he delivered us from this depravity. Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked right out of that tomb. And it's a good thing he says, Lazarus, come forth. If he just would have said, come forth, the whole cemetery would have came out. Okay, he had to specify who he wanted to come out. But right in front of this great cloud of witnesses, he does this. But where is Lazarus today? Well, he died again. Why? Because he's supposed to be in heaven to live forever. Let's remember, in the beginning of creation, people would live to almost a thousand years old. Methuselah, the oldest guy in the Bible, he lived to be 969 years old. But it was actually the great mercy and grace of God that he cut man's lifespan down to 70 years. Could you imagine living separated from God, innocent nature for a thousand years? Like, I mean, enough already. Let's get to heaven already. Let's get to where we're supposed to be. Let's not be in this depraved country that we live in, this depraved world that we live in. 
Sure, some can live a little older with modern medicine, more than 70 years, but people are going to die. You know, and we are created to live in a place with him. And that's why God told us in Psalm 116, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his holy ones. He says, man, this is the greatest thing that's going to happen to you. It's not great when you're losing your loved one. It's not great for you, but your loved one, if they knew the Lord, they're like, see ya, (laughs) ta-ta, bye-bye. Hey, do you want to go back? No, (laughs) because once we stand in heaven, oh, you realize that's the way it's supposed to be. But Jesus wept because in this life, we all have to walk in the fire. In this life, we walk through the path of pain. We have to battle sin. We have to fight our flesh, and our flesh is tough sometimes. We have to face hardship. We have to experience sickness. And in the end, we all die. It's just like, wow, this is just like a, is this a bad joke here? But for those who really know him, oh, one day we're going to stand in his presence, and we will live forever, and that's a long time. That's all the time we have for our message today. But please join us next time as we continue our study through the Gospel of John. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA one word, that's Core Church LA, to 77977. And remember, there's a God in heaven who loves you. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.